Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. I'm super excited for our guest today. He's a public speaker, author, former special operations soldier. He was attached to the task force special operations team responsible for tracking down the most wanted men in Iraq. Over a six-month tour, he conducted over 300 interrogations, collecting intelligence, which directly led to the capture of Saddam Hussein. He's the author of Mission Blacklist Number 1. Today, he inspires people to change, teaching business leaders how to win through empathy-based listening. Please welcome Eric Maddox. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, Greg. It's great to have you on the show. So this show is about leadership, and my favorite question to ask my guests is, Eric, tell me about some misconceptions in leadership. So for me, I guess the biggest lesson that I've learned was kind of a misconception that I had is I felt like leadership was about driving others towards my vision, my plan, And what I've learned is that true leadership is empowering others to discover their talents Mm. and using them to get to our vision. I, I know that, I don't know if that goes into great detail, but for me, that's the biggest lesson I've learned. That's very insightful. I'd love for you to go a layer deeper, uh, and, and in particular, talk about your you you becoming you your understanding of that. Like, have you had that vision and understanding since the beginning of your leadership journey, or is that something that you developed over time? And talk to us about how you've come around to um, empowering talent versus driving your own vision. Yeah, so it's a great question. I, I feel like I had to learn that. When I was in Iraq, as I was an interrogator, again, you read a little bit about my bio, but when I was assigned to this Delta Force team, my job was to gain cooperation of prisoners. Everything that I was taught, the psychological techniques of interrogation, they didn't work. And just statistically speaking, it's a very difficult job. On average, a prisoner in a battlefield will only cooperate, willingly work with you approximately 4% of the time. Well, those statistics won't work when you're trying to track down the exact location of of an individual who has the resources not to be caught and the desire to not to be caught. So my communication with these prisoners, I realized I'm trying to get them to do what I want them to do. I'm trying to convince them that, hey, I'm not a bad guy. I have that, but I have the power and the authority to help you, but here's my plan. And it just did not work. And what I kind of realized, and it was a process, is that if I listen to them, if I seek to understand what it means to be them, this amazing thing happens. And then it's empowerment. 
And they start to go, you know, I don't even know if I can trust you, Mr. Interrogator. But the fact that this relationship is built on you first seeking to understand what it means to be me, we're going to figure out if we're going to work together. And so when I talk about listening and good communication, many people think, well, the goal is to gather information from everybody you work with so that you can make better decisions. I'm like, no, that for me, that's not what leadership is. It's about demonstrating your ability, the other person's abilities, their wisdom, their experiences. We're bringing that to the table. Think about how that builds accountability. Think about how that brings ideas, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Because one thing we can say is, well, you better be able to pivot. But pivot off of what? Let's pivot based on what? our people are telling us, what our clients, what the, what the market's telling us. And so I just see it as just the role of empowerment. I'd love for you to continue on that um, and go back to the time where that light bulb turned on for you, right? Because I suspect it's not something that was taught. And it, through unsuccessful interrogations after unsuccessful and so on and so on, a light bulb went on for you that said, you know what? I'm going to try a different approach. I'm going to use empathy. I'm going to listen. Like talk to, like, I want to f- relive that discovery process. Sure. So Greg, we go to war in 2003. The United States military invades Iraq. Our goal is to take out Saddam. I am in the military at that time. I'm staff sergeant of the United States Army. I am what they call a Chinese Mandarin linguist. I had been trained in interrogation, but for the military, they'll train you in interrogations. But if they get a Chinese Mandarin linguist, my entire job was doing intelligence collection for the United States military against the Chinese. So I'm told you're never going to these Middle Eastern wars. You're not going to Afghanistan. You're not going to Iraq. When the United States invaded Iraq, they had this Joint Special Operations Command that needed to find Saddam. These highly trained special operators figured out we needed an interrogator with them on their raids, on their missions. So the United States military goes and says, hey, we need one of those interrogators. Are there any that had been in the infantry before? And there's just pretty difficult school called Ranger School. And they said, me, I'm having graduated Ranger School. They looked through the military and apparently I was the only person that checked those blocks. So when I was first enlisted in the army in 94, I spent three years as a paratrooper with the 82nd Airborne Division, went and graduated Ranger School. So my whole qualifications for being in Iraq was my infantry background. So I'm put with this Delta Force team. I know nothing about Iraq. I know nothing about being in an actual war. And I had never actually done an interrogation. I had been trained. I start using my training, which is very zero-sum game. It's just like I described what I thought leadership was. You convince a prisoner, hey, I'm smart. I'm wise. I'm not a bad guy. But I know the plan. I've got the power, the wisdom. You just pretty much say, Uncle Eric, I trust you. Give me, every, give me everything you know, and I'm going to take it from here. Greg, it doesn't work. 
I'll be honest. I don't even know who those 4% are that cooperate because none of them cooperated with me. So it wasn't a matter of me coming up with a great idea. It was me saying, this is never going to work. And don't pretend you know what does. That really was key for me is to say, hey, let's not make tweaks off the old techniques. Maybe they need to be thrown out the door. So for me, it was going, okay, you don't know. Who would know? Well, maybe these prisoners. And it was simply a matter of saying, let's just see how long I can keep them talking. And then I started to realize, you know what? When you will just shut up, clear your mind of your goals, your agendas, your objectives, and most importantly, clear your mind of your biases. You realize you don't have the answers to anything, Eric, and the best way to get answers is to ask questions. And when I ask questions, absent of biases, agendas, objectives, it wasn't that I got these amazing answers. It was the spark. It was this flicker in their, in their, of hope that made them go, I might be able to partner with you. I didn't know if they were going to be honest or dishonest. But it, it, it goes from being across the table working with someone to on their same side. And it's simply mm-hmm. an unbiased discovery, not a solution. But before we partner, where are you coming from? Because I'm going to tell you the biggest kind of eye openers. Anytime a prisoner would kind of stop the conversation, kind of quirk their head and go, you get me. You get me. That's the words I'm always looking for is you get me. Then we can get to work, right? But that's an empowerment, Greg. That's giving them, it's about giving them control so we can discover, what do you have? I had no idea where Saddam was. I didn't even know where to begin to look. They did. I just had to unlock their abilities, I love those words, unbiased discovery. Talk to us a little bit more about that and maybe some tools that we could use to go into our next conversation or negotiation or discovery to relieve the the bias that we bring to the table just naturally. Okay, so the capture of Saddam, it ended up being 300 interrogations, right? And Everything was leading to his capture. But at the end of the day, there was one person, one of his bodyguards that knew the exact location. On my last day in tour, we captured that bodyguard. I had less than two hours and it took me an hour and 45 minutes using this process. He turns says, Eric, we got to go. We got to go right now. That night, he took the Delta Force team I was with to the exact location. Because that's a pretty remarkable, right? I'm not saying me. It's just. So the government, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, he created a 30-person civilian interrogation team based on that caption. He said, Eric Maddox, you're the first one. You're going to be my first civilian interrogator. I'm now supposed to teach this. So that is another place where I had discovery. And teaching this process, Greg, I realized we have a listening problem. We have a massive listening problem. We studied each other, we studied listening and we realized we only listen to approximately 25% of what we hear. And you think, what's well, I've heard bad numbers like that. Yeah, maybe, but we couldn't just say, oh, that's what it is. What it comes down to is the way our brains work. 
our brains, we can hear five times faster than the average person can talk. That shouldn't be a listening problem at all. That means we can hear everything somebody says. Heck, we have 80% capacity. But what the biggest discovery was is that when it comes to listening, our brains cannot multitask. That means, yes, we can hear everything. But depending on what we feel, that 80% capacity with, it clouds, it filters, it covers what we hear, lowering our listening. So we said, what does cover our brains? What clouds us? And we came up with the six categories of listening distractions, all distractions that you have in your mind. That would come in and out. You can just imagine when you're in a conversation, how many different directions your mind go. They fall into six categories. I'm going to, it's one through six, one being the least, six being the most significant. I'm going to tell you, let's just start with the biggies. The biggest distraction that we all have during a conversation is thinking about what we're going to say next in the conversation. The next biggest category five is thinking about our goals, our agendas, our objectives in a conversation. And the fourth biggest one is our biases towards the individual we are talking to in a conversation. I mean, can you imagine? We know people, we want to learn about them, but if we picture someone and go, man, this person always thinks they know everything, right? Maybe they've earned this bias. But when they speak to us, we filter their words through that bias. It drastically lowers our listening. So we say, wait, 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 wait. Our, bi- our, our, our listening distractions are what lowering this. How do we remove those? How do we remove those categories of distractions? And it comes down to what I call kind of the new, the, the new car test, right? You know, when you, you get a new car and you think, yeah, I got this new car, it's awesome. And you start driving around, you're like, And everybody has this car. I see this car everywhere. It says, well, then what are we focusing on when we're listening? And when it comes down to this, do we care more about building trust, empowering, what I call getting on their stage? Because if we do, our agenda does not matter. Our biases should not affect us. What We shouldn't need to say anything next. And this crazy thing happens when you can clear your mind of distractions. Every time you speak to somebody, Greg, every time they make a statement, there's a key word, a term, a phrase they most want you to hear. They most want you to hear. I call them breadcrumbs. And when you can pick up a breadcrumb and say, that's what they want me to hear. I think I know what that means, but I'm not going to assume I'm simply going to discover on it. You'll see all your distractions melt away. We now have this new focus, right? And that new focus is what matters to them. I think I know, but I'm going to pick up these breadcrumbs and then ask. And I will tell you this process, it takes three minutes, three minutes to pick up breadcrumbs, discover to where the person kind of has their own epiphany and they're going, you're different. I don't know what we're going to do together, but we're going to partner. Something tells me we're going to partner together because you're doing this on my stage, not your own stage. That's awesome. Um, Can you give us some examples of breadcrumbs? That's the breadcrumb that I picked up from your breadcrumb (laughs) comment. Uh, Give us some examples of, of, 
of what you mean, I understand what you mean by, but give us some examples of how that is used in, in real time. Let me give you one that we all can relate to, right? So we all have Mondays. We don't like Mondays, but we do have Mondays because they come off the weekends and we have a full work a week and we come back into work and whether it's live, you know, in person or virtual, we see somebody in the morning. What's the first thing we're going to ask? How are they doing? I'm going to go. I'm going to go a little farther. We're going to say, how was your weekend? Hey, how was your weekend? I don't know what they could say, but they could say something to the effect of, I had a long weekend, right? What do we do? We turn around and go, yeah, I had a long weekend too. (laughs) And then we go in about our long weekend. They know subconsciously in their mind, they're going, I think that was an obligatory question. I don't think you really care about my weekend. You just had to say something to me. And I, and they have enough social EQ that they're like, I'm not going to dive deep into my weekend, which I would love to do because it's my life on my stage, but I'm going to test you. I'm going to see where you're coming from. And I'm going to say, yeah, I had a long weekend. They know we do not have the right or even the ability to determine what that word long means to them. And if we cared, we would discover, we would simply look at them and go, long, what happened? And watch the look on their face. They're going to perk up. They're going to think, what has gotten into you? And we get ready, Greg, because you're about to hear about somebody's really long weekend. But you just empowered them at that moment in this relationship. Do we care about their long weekend? Probably not. But in terms of the relationship, when you listen to their long weekend and they go to their cubicle and you go to yours, they're going to be going, that Greg's not a bad guy. Huh. I think it's kind of about himself because everything's about him. Not that it is. He just listened to my long weekend. So you think of words like tricky. It's a tricky situation. It's an odd relationship. And that's just category ones. There are 10 categories of breadcrumbs. And I'm going to give you a really easy category. Category seven breadcrumbs are questions. Statistically, over 80% of all questions that somebody asks, they do not care about our answer. They are simply asking a question to see, would you be willing to sort of divert or move this conversation towards my question? Shifting Gears from a one-on-one conversation, Eric, to a one-to-many. Do these tools still apply? Like the the, the listening tools, the breadcrumbs. You know, you're standing in front of your team, starting a conversation. Talk to us about in a team environment how how you've been using how people can use these tools. So, in a team environment, we want to have a culture of collaboration, collaboration, or I would think we would, if, if you want to empower, now we have to be the orchestrator of empowering many people, knowing that we're the leader. So when I think about group settings, especially when we're the leader, we want to think, how do we as quickly as possible get this group engaged in the conversation, Right. Even if we just ask a hypothetical question, right? Even if I say to everyone, I want you to ask yourself, how many different directions does your mind go 
when you're in a conversation, right? It's getting them engaged. But as fast as possible, we want to get a question that brings out our group. Now, when they start talking, when they start responding, our job should simply be discovering and moving the conversation to different members of the group. We have to do it seamlessly. But the way I describe it to people is I say, imagine in a group setting, in a conversation, there's everyone submerged underwater. There's one oxygen tank and one breather. Whoever's speaking is breathing. The world loves to talk. I love it. You love it. When somebody's speaking, they're breathing. Our job is to move the breathing. We can't let anybody drown, right? Now, some people are not are intimidated. They have their own biases, maybe of the situation, and they do not want to talk. They don't have a position to talk. Fine. They've got their own little life support, right? But you'll notice when you bring engagement, there are different people that want our job should simply be move this around. Mm. Follow up and move. That is our only job. We should not be leading through our solutions, our ideas at that time. And so that brings us back full circle to your misconception and the opposite of the misconception of empowering talent. These concepts and these conversations and these tools are empowering talent to do what we want, what we're hoping the team can do. Am I stating that correctly? I think so. But do we have to make a comparison? We want people to do what we want them to do. But if we're leading from our stage, we're simply trying to over-communicate, this is how I want it done. And we may know our vision is correct. They may do what we tell them to do, but we are simply taking their abilities, their technical talents through our vision. When we empower, we're discovering their hidden abilities. We should never assume we know what everybody's good at. But by discovering, we're saying, there's the finish line. You tell us how to get there. Mm -hmm. I want to know what this group can come up with versus I want to see this group complete my vision. It is difficult because as owners, we feel like we have the right vision. Probably nobody wants it worse than we do. It's very difficult, but the world loves to be empowered. That's fantastic. Um, get my skin crawling just talking about it. Uh, Eric, I'm shifting gears a little bit. Talk to us about your background. You know, we talked, we covered some of your military experience, even before then, like, where'd you grow up? How'd you get into the military? And then let's really get into what you're working on now. Sure. So I grew up in a small blue collar town in Oklahoma. I lived a pretty normal childhood. Uh, I, I do feel like I had, I've always come from a place of asking questions, right? If any of y'all have one of those children who doesn't shut up and all they do is ask questions, but you know, I, from birth, I knew 
as long as I can remember, I knew I was adopted, right? And that, that kind of leads to questions. You're always wondering, like, who, who, what, how, what, where, when? I'm left-handed, right? So I, I feel like I always see the world differently than the rest of the world, which leads to questions. I was the younger brother. So everything that's going on, I'm following my older brother, and he's, you know, he's older than me, so I'm asking questions. So for me, my world was just a, it was a place of discovery. But I lived a normal life. I graduated high school, went to the University of Oklahoma, lived just a normal college life. And right after I graduated from the University of Oklahoma, I decided to enlist in the Army. I, I consider myself very patriotic. I think young adults, many young adults want to just love their country. And they're like, I just want to serve. I did that. The infantry was okay, but there's not a lot of discovery there. It's kind of like, do it this way. It was fine. It's great. It's hard. It was challenging. It was rewarding. But when I discovered about the military's foreign language program, for me, I saw that and I said, you know, I, I made a B in Spanish. I didn't make a ton of Bs. I don't think I can learn a foreign language, but this military has shown me that you, you can challenge yourself. Figure out what you're capable of. So I chose Chinese Mandarin, which is his own world of discovery, right? Because come to find out, I'm not great at learning foreign languages, but I pushed through it. And, and then Ranger School, it was a hard school. I recycled. Basically, I failed three times to finally make it through. And it was kind of during the Ranger School challenge that I said, you are too inside your own brain. You want to discover, but you've got to open your mind to solutions. There is a solution to every problem. You're fixated because of your fears of failure. And think about it, Greg. If we can remove our fear of failure, we allow ourselves to open up. We allow ourselves to trust others to build a team. To, to embrace their ideas. So I don't know if that's all my background, but for me, I feel like that's sort of how I was um, formed to, to put me in that position. Do you still keep up with your foreign language? No, <laughs> I, I would like to, but I'm back in Oklahoma. Um, I don't have the opportunity to just speak a bunch of Chinese. And I, I just feel like I'm really busy. So yeah, maybe it's one of those things I can, I, I feel like if you <laughs> drop me back in China for a week, you can just pick it up. I know it's probably pretty rusty. Yeah, I imagine so. Um, so talk to us about what you're doing now. Uh, talk about your book, your speaking engagements, your coaching, who you like to work with. Sure. Um, while I was in the military, the Department of Defense said, hey, you know, you can go get these talks, these speeches, go promote this. This is a, this is a great story for the military and the government. Come to find out, people pay to hear stories. They call those keynotes, and I started doing keynotes, and I thought it was great. But I kept getting the question, yeah, but how did you do it? But, but how did you do that thing? How did you gain the cooperation? How did you get people to open up? Of course, hopefully listening to the audience. I focused on, well, let's teach them. Let's 
teaching this change of paradigm of making the world trying to come onto our stage, but how do we seek the discovery to get on theirs? That's where I, you know, started teaching the six categories of listening distractions and the 10 categories of breadcrumbs. So it just evolves, right? If you do it well, if you can help somebody, if you can bring them value, they want more of it. So probably in 20, well, I can tell you in 2023, I have about 130 keynote speeches lined up and, We'll probably do book another 70 and we're just running, teaching this process. And I love it. I, I love when people really embrace it. So we do workshops, one-on-ones, negotiations. Negotiations are probably my favorite. So That's fun. So I, I'm, I want to tee off on the negotiations because you said it's your your favorite. What makes it your favorite? Great question. It's a very stressful environment. We want to prepare, which we should, but we go in with the plan. And the other side comes in with the plan. And for some reason, we don't feel comfortable being transparent. What we're not realizing is that the other side drops breadcrumbs every time they make a statement. They tell us what they need. They tell us what their fears are. They tell us everything. They're not going to tell us overtly, but they are communicating and we're not listening to them because we're so focused and we're so nervous and it means so much, especially an important negotiation. One that we have something to lose. So it's, 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 it, it's this love of teaching people. You're worse at listening when you're nervous, when you're fearful. But let's learn the process in the most critical times to pick up the breadcrumbs, to discover. Because at the end of the day, the other side's dying to tell us what they need. And they'll pay for it. They'll pay for that partnership. Yeah, I can imagine. And even in negotiations that I've been in, now that you're making me think about it differently, you you walk in with such a fear mentality of losing that you almost lose sight of what the negotiation is trying to accomplish. Um, so anyway, yeah, you got me daydreaming about that. So Eric, looking forward... Um, you got a, a calendar full of keynotes for the next 12 months, probably 24 months. Uh, any other special projects that you're working on or, or areas of interest that uh, we could talk about? So one of my babies, right? I'm partnering actually with a, an EO member. And it, it's what we've been putting our heart and soul into is we've created this empathy-based listening called high-value listening training program that we're going to be presenting online, right? We're able to give exactly step-by-step how to take this program. We're going to engage online and it's consuming, right? Because we want to get it right. I know the impact that, that this can have. So I'm really excited about that. 2023 is a huge year for us. We're going to be launching the program and changing as many lives as possible. That's cool. Is it 
early 2023 or late 2023? And how can, well, let's stop there. When do you think that's going to be released? I feel like it's going to be early 2023, right? You never know how those things go. I suspect it's going to be early 2023, but I would be shocked if it doesn't come out in the spring of 2023. And, you know, we, we, we have this program and it, it's got six sections. So we want to start one through six and you have the one-on-one. I mean, we have the recordings, right? The videos, but then we've also got micro videos and then we've got one-on-one engagement. I mean, I've had the opportunity to train this high value listening to thousands of people. So I think we've got it really mastered. And now we're just going to scale. So my second favorite leadership question um, is, Eric, if you were going to give your younger version of yourself some advice today, what advice would you give yourself? (sighs) That'd probably be a long list, Greg. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that'd be a lot of advice. Um, My biggest advice to give myself would be figure out what you're passionate about, what you absolutely love to do, and go monetize it. I've never heard of somebody's true passion. I'm not talking about playing video games all day. I've never believed that that was somebody's true passion. Now, people who develop video games, people who see the depth in that and really want to bring that out, absolutely. Find your true passion and go monetize it. That's it. Because I was thinking, well, where's the money? Let's put some money over there. That'd be great. Let me find a way to love that. Let me find a way to embrace that. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. People want to work with people who are passionate about what they do. Go find your passion. The world's going to come to you. That would be my biggest piece of advice. That's well said. So closing up, Eric, uh, audience member wants to get in touch with you. What's the, what's your preferred method? Shoot me an email. Super simple. Info at ericmaddox.com. It'll come to me. Just hit me up. My website's eric at eric, or ericmaddox.com is my email. Fantastic. And we'll have all those, those links in the show notes and links to your book and other podcasts you've had, but Eric, it's been awesome having you on our show today. Uh, you've got me super sensitive to distractions right now. I don't know why. I feel like I could hear the crickets across the street because I want to be a better listener. But uh, the content you're pushing out, your messaging, thank you for all that, especially your service to our country. Um, you're a hero and the teams that you've been involved with. So thank you for that. Um, it's just been an honor to be with you today. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought. Walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.